Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol, a graduate of Trinity University here in San Antonio and the University of the Incarnate Word, where she earned her master's degree in social gerontology. She is certainly well-known across this country as someone who is steeped in issues involving caregiving and aging, has been involved in a number of national task forces, and currently serves on one in the Department of HHS looking at where we go with caregiving uh, down the road, and where we go with caregiving down the road is the million-dollar question. Carol Zernio, great to see you, and I'm looking at you on FaceTime because we are in separate studios. That's correct, but it's it's nice to see you. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, if you don't mind my sharing this, uh, last show we did uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago while we were talking, I noticed you're kind of hopping around. You were attacked by a cat in your own home. Yes, well, I do have a cat that is bipolar, and he's either very sweet or trying to kill me, one of the two, and he went from sweet to killer mode right in the middle of a show, so yes. Um, I'm in a different room. I'm safe now. I've come to my safe room in my house where my cat cannot get me. Well, you handed it well, and listening to you on the air, one would never know in your life was at risk from a domestic home cat. Well, let's welcome our very special guest, Elaine Sanchez, co-founder of caregiverhelp.com and author of a neat book, Madeline Chronicles of a Caregiver. And in this time of COVID, uh, before COVID hit, uh, Elaine, you spent a lot of time traveling the country uh, as a keynote speaker talking to groups about caregiving and, and, and a whole lot more. First, let me welcome you to our virtual visit here in our studio. Thank you so much, Ron, and, and thank you, Carol, and I'm glad to know that you are healing. That that sounded pretty terrible. <laughs> well, she got over it, and the cat is still being treated, I'm sure. So That's tell right. us tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, the impact of uh, COVID-19 uh, on your livelihood, because uh, that changed the whole way in which uh, you were active and involved in the community. Oh, it certainly did. Uh, for the last 10 years, I've been traveling around the country speaking at healthcare and caregiving conferences. And then by mid-March, all of my conferences had canceled and, you know, with good reason. So I thought, well, do I retire? And I was kind of uh, thinking about that and feeling a little sad about it. And then a client called and said, would you do webinars? And that was the beginning of transitioning into doing virtual keynotes and workshops. So it has been a huge transition because when you're speaking, as you know, when you're speaking to a live audience, people laugh, they, they tear up, you get, you know, heads nodding and, and they give you a lot of energy and you know how you are impacting them, right? Uh, in the beginning, just Speaking to a uh, computer is a whole lot different. But now we've learned how to do interactive sessions and how to, I think, pretty much give people a conference-like experience by doing a lot of polls and breakout sessions and, and making them interactive. So it's been a very steep learning curve, um, but it's, it's rewarding. And I'm, I'm 
figuring out that what I have missed most is, is really talking to people, hearing their stories, getting and giving hugs. But um, we've, we've, we've learned how to do that virtually. You know, there's a great example of how uh, other businesses are handling the virtual, and that is Major League Baseball is playing again, and their first games uh, have begun after this show has already aired. Their games have begun. And they had an incident in a recent game. They're pumping crowd noise into these empty stadiums to make the players feel as if <laughs> there's a crowd there. And at one point, the umpire had to call timeout to have them turn down the crowd noise. It was too loud. So it's an adjustment that they are making as well. And, and it's yeah, interesting. I understand that investment. I mean, I understand, you know, the energy that you get from that. Yeah. Well, tell us about the energy you get uh, in, in the caregiving world. What attracted you uh, to deal with caregiving? What attracted you uh, to write the book, Madeline Chronicles of a Caregiver? And I, I want to hear the story about Claudia holds up a bank. Okay. Um, well, I never intended to become an expert on caregiving. Um, some people do. Carol, you've got the education in this. But my journey started in 1993 when my dad experienced a devastating stroke. And my mother became his primary caregiver. And uh, she was losing her vision because of macular degeneration. Her back was hunched with osteoporosis. She had congestive heart failure. She had just had um, open heart surgery. She didn't sleep at night because of restless leg syndrome. And she was losing her hearing because of the medication that she was taking for her heart. And then she became my dad's full-time caregiver. Um, so you can imagine that there was a tremendous amount of stress involved with um, her isolation and loneliness. They lived on a farm six miles uh, northwest of a town of about 14,000 people. And one of the ways that she managed her stress was by just disengaging her emotional monitor, and she would go to her, it was a word processor at that time, and she would write letters to me in which she would express everything she was experiencing and exactly how she felt about it. And I saved those letters, um, and then I was asked, at our church on Mother's Day in 2004 about mother-daughter relationships. I went out to the garage. I took down the box of, of letters, and I found one letter in particular. I read some excerpts from it, told a couple stories. People came up to me afterwards and said, you have to write a book. So I started on it the next day, and I, I think the thing about this book is that um, it's every caregiver's journey um, but it was written in real time, and she just she didn't hold back at all. You know, she experienced anger, guilt, depression, grief, fear, frustration, fatigue. You know, everything that every caregiver uh, feels. But writing about it in real time, um, I, I think when when people read it, it, it validates their experience and it lets them know that. Just because they have negative feelings, it doesn't mean that they are bad people or that there's anything wrong with them. And uh, so that's where it started. And then I just started speaking to book clubs and small caregiver support groups, and I discovered that I really had a passion for this. And it's, it's, just, it's just grown. And the story about... Uh, the bank heist, because I mentioned to you off the air, you mentioned that uh, there's a hu there's humor in a lot of these stories. And, and even in yeah. the most difficult times, 
there is always humor. And if you don't find the humor, you know, you're not going to make it. So humor is very important. <laughs> it, it is. So this is a story of a woman I met in Wisconsin a few years ago. I was speaking at a conference for people who were caring for loved ones with Huntington's and Parkinson's disease. And in the morning, I had talked about the importance of getting enough rest and how fatigue can lead to anger and then, you know, all sorts of other physical and emotional issues. So at lunch, I sat down with this group of women and Claudia sat next to me and she said, I've got a plan how I'm going to get some rest. And I said, I want to hear it. And she said, well, I'm going to get my husband in the car and we're going to drive to the bank and then I'm going to park in front. And I'm going to get him in the driver's seat so he will look like my accomplice. Then I'm going to get out of the car, and I'm going to walk into the bank with an unloaded gun, and I'm going to point it at the teller, and I'm going to say, this is a stick-up. Give me your money. And if she gives me any, then I'm going to take it out to the car, and I'm going to sit and wait until the police arrive. Now, here's the beautiful thing about that. They will arrest both of us. Then they will have to take him to the men's prison, they will have to deal with his depends. They'll have to manage his medications. They're going to have to take care of his food. And then they will put me in a cell all by myself. And I can read books during the day. I can sleep at night. And it won't cost us a dime. Well, that's a plan. Wow. Wow. That's an amazing story. <laughs> it's, it's for, an amazing for somebody a straight-out caregiver. That's the uh, new so, caregiver's yes, day out. Exactly. Yeah, so she allowed us to turn it into a cartoon, and um, I play that every time I speak because I will ask people, does, does Claudia's plan make sense to you? And, you know, 75 to 80% of the people in an audience will raise their hands, and it's like, okay, uh, I think Claudia was really skilled at using humor to help her deal with an incredibly difficult situation. But at the same time, I don't doubt for a second that she hadn't considered doing something really desperate in order to get a little bit of rest. So when I'm speaking to caregivers, I'm saying, you know, if, if you're wishing that you could just break a bone, a little bone, or get some, you know, case of the flu or something and end up in the hospital for a few days just so somebody else would take care of you, and you see heads nodding, it's like, you need to get some help. You need, <laughs> you need some respite. You need some support. You need to get some rest um, because I don't think it is unusual for caregivers to get so physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausted that they do think about doing something desperate and we're in order t- to get a little relief. As you know very well, Elaine uh, Sanchez, uh, we're at a time now with uh, COVID-19, uh, the fear of exposing uh, especially those who are 65 and over, uh, to any outsider who may be carrying uh, the COVID-19 uh, coronavirus. We're concerned about having folks isolated at home, and yet we know isolating is not a good thing. Uh, right. So what advice do you have for, for those families and for those caregivers who are faced with uh, what has been their life anyhow, but now they have added pressure put on top of them? Well, I I really encourage people to learn how to use FaceTime or Zoom. It's it's not as good as being uh, there in person, but they do get to see your face, and I think it's actually more personal. 
and more connecting than just having a telephone conversation. Um, I, I use chat, but I think it's really a lousy way to communicate with someone if that's the only way that you're talking to them. So, you know, setting aside a, a time maybe, depending on a person's schedule, you know, can you, can you call them three times a week and just do a 30-minute Zoom or FaceTime call? Um, can you send them anything in the mail? I think that getting mail is really a big deal to people who are isolated and lonely. An encouraging card, a funny card, a pretty picture, you know, just let them know that you are thinking about them and um, that you're there to support them. All right, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zernil, our co-host, is here. And our Caregiver SOS on air hotline has Elaine Sanchez, co-founder of caregiverhelp.com. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air, another way to reach out to caregivers. And Carol Zerniel and I, Ron Aaron, have been doing this show for many, many months, years now. And we're delighted to have with us today Elaine Sanchez, co-founder of CaregiverHelp.com. And Carol, you wanted to jump in. Well, Elaine was talking about the importance of doing a, you know, like a FaceTime or a Zoom. And I was just going to comment that. I have found, you know, these are Zoom meetings and Zoom calls with folks that I haven't seen in a while with colleagues or, or friends, uh, family. Actually, you know, I've gotten emotional at just the opportunity to see my grandchildren, to see mm-hmm. people I work with that I haven't seen in months. And so I just want to encourage folks that haven't tried that technology and are kind of skeptical, um, you know, be, getting a good, clear picture and having a face-to-face conversation um, is actually pretty meaningful. I agree, Carol. And one thing that I have been doing, too, is uh, hosting some virtual support groups. And that's been really beneficial. I, I did a six-week series for Western Arizona Council of Governments, and it's a very um, huge geographic area but sparsely populated. And, and having caregivers have the opportunity to interact with one another, um, you know, a, a support group is a wonderful it's a wonderful thing. And your ad about your caregiver SOS and being able to call and uh, talk to somebody who understands, this is, this is important. Um, I had one woman ask me recently, how, how do I explain to people what I am going through as a caregiver? And my response was, I wish that people who had never done this would would have an interest and would be willing to listen with empathy. But the truth is a lot of people are scared of it. They think it's depressing and they really don't want to hear about it. 
So I encourage people, if, if you can't be part of a support group, try to find somebody who is who can be a caregiving buddy for you. And I, I met um, a woman in Sacramento a couple of years ago, and she came up to me at a break in, in the conference, and she said, I, I want to share my story with you. And I said, well, I want to hear it. And she lived out on an acreage outside of Sacramento. Big storm had come through and knocked over their pecan tree. And she um, she said, it was so big I couldn't get to my chickens. So went out with a chainsaw one day and spent the entire day cutting a path through this pecan tree trunk so that she could get to the chicken coop. She's been caring for her husband for 10 years who has um, Alzheimer's. Wow. And when, you know, she finally put the chainsaw away and, and he had sat on those back steps the whole day watching her and she came walking up with wood chips and shaving and sawdust and sweat all over her and he looked at her and he said, boy, sure was a lucky thing that I wasn't out in the yard when that tree fell. That's wonderful. <laughs> that is wonderful. Said, well, honey. If, if that tree had fallen on you, I would have gone into the house, I would have poured myself a glass of wine, and then I would have called 911. Wow. And he said, yeah, sure was a lucky thing. So later <laughs> that evening, then, she called her caregiving buddy and told her the story, and they howled with laughter. And the friend said, yeah, I know you. You would have finished that one glass of wine, you would have gone out, and if he was still twitching, you would have poured another. So, you know, here's the, the point of my story is when you are doing this, um, if you can have someone who is willing to listen to you, laugh with you, allow you to cry, allow you to be a little bit irreverent, um, you know, to blow off some steam without judging you or saying, oh, that was a terrible thing to say, or I can't believe you're feeling that way, or that... You know, you might scare them a little bit, and um, so I think if you can, if you can have a support group, that's really amazing and important. But um, I guess I was my mother's caregiver buddy because she wrote to me um, unfiltered about what she was feeling, and um, I think if you can have somebody to talk to that understands, it can really help you through this journey. So, how were the chickens? Well, I- how are the chicks after the Right, how are the chickens? The tree? Yeah, the chickens make it or not? <laughs> yeah, the chickens made it. She, she kind of passed through the tree. She was able to get out there and take care of wow. her chickens. And, you know, she was a little tiny woman, and she looked like she was close to 80, but who knows? She had been taking care of a husband with Alzheimer's for 10 years, and, you know, she might have been in her 60s. But, um, you know, I, I thought her story, again, was funny, uh, and I, I thought that she was really doing a, a good job of using humor and being able to share with somebody else to lighten her burden. Carol. Well, you know, I th- it, that's, that's a great story, um, and, and humor is so important. How long did your mother take care of your father? How, how long did she write you letters for Letters from Applin? Uh Six and a half years. Six oh, my goodness. Years. And, and, and every week to um, 10 days, I would get a letter, and it would be typed, single space, both sides of the page, and it would be six to 10 pages long. So it took me, it took me two years um, to, to go through them, and this was before you could scan, you know, and cut and paste. And so I just retyped. 
um, everything that made me laugh or made me cry. And it was a huge manuscript. And so I spent the next year cutting it down by 50%. Then I found a publisher friend to look at it, and he said, you need to cut it by 40%. So um, that was that was the, the process. And uh, I saved all of the original letters because they're just, sure. they're just amazing. Well, I wish uh, you were watching on FaceTime as I was, as you described, everything going wrong with your mother. And then you said, and then she became a caregiver. Carol's eyes what? got bigger than a Susan B. Anthony silver dollar because here your mother, your mother's the one who needed a caregiver. She did. She did. And I think, um, well, there, there are a couple of stories I just want to tell about her. They were, they were uh, dairy farmers, and she realized in 1960 that she hated the farm. She hated the cows, she hated the flies, she hated the smell, she hated being poor, but she had four kids, and she loved my father. So she, she had to figure out a way um, a way to deal with this, um, this really not liking her physical life at all. And she started reading um, self-help and positive thinking books. And um, Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl was particularly... Um, helpful to her. He was a survivor of a Nazi concentration camp, and being four years in that work camp, um, he said he came to the realization that the people that were surviving were not always the youngest, the strongest, or the healthiest. healthiest. And, you know, granted, nobody has any defense against a, a gas chamber or dysentery, but for the people who were in the work camp, it was attitude that made the difference. Wow. And he said, you can take away every single freedom a person has. You can take away every single choice, except for the last freedom, which is a man's ability to choose his attitude toward any given set of circumstances. If, if Dr. Frankel were writing that today, he would say his or her circumstances. But this was man's search for meaning in the, in the generic term. Sure. And so... Uh, he became her personal hero, I guess. And she believed that, um, you know, she knew she could never control the weather or what they were going to get paid for their meat or their um, wheat, milo, or corn, but she knew that she could become the master of her own mind. So I heard her say, probably, are you still there? We're here. Yes, the oh, okay. connection. The connection is so good, yeah. you can't tell. There's no static, nothing. Oh, it's clear as a bell. Oh, good, good, good. Okay, so I, I think I heard her say at least a thousand times, Ron and Carol, as long as I have the ability to think and reason, I will have the power to choose my attitude toward any person, thing, or event. And that is essentially what got her through those six and a half years, that um, she, she found her own peace and happiness from within. Wow. And, and in one letter that she wrote to me, she said, um, the beautiful thing about having my own peace and happiness from within is that I can stay more or less detached and still do what has to be done to give other people a reasonable amount of happiness. And, and mm. then as time passed, um, it morphed into what she called an attitude of creative indifference. 
And I asked her one time, I said, so mom, what's the difference between being detached and being creatively indifferent? And she said, oh, hell, you can call it whatever you want to call it. She said it means the same thing. She said, I just think that detached sounds a little cold. So what it means is not allowing yourself to become emotionally ravaged by the disease or the progression of events. Well, it sounds like your mother also, I mean, her her life experience on the farm gave her some coping skills that she later adopted to help with the caregiving situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I don't know if she would have survived the farm if she hadn't developed those skills early on. Um, So do I have time to tell you the three steps to developing an attitude of creative indifference? Actually, we're out of time. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> Next time. Ronnie wow. Ronnie tells the guests no all yeah, the time. I'm but sorry. We can invite you back and yeah, well, have you tell us about And we'd love to love have you back. Yeah, you've got some great stories. We thank you for that. Quickly, if folks want to get the book, how do they do that? They can order it off of Amazon. It's available in bookstores. It's also available on my website, uh, which is caregiverhelp.com. Madeline, Chronicles of a Caregiver. Thank you so much, Elaine Sanchez. We appreciate it. For Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. Thank you for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.